Hey there, Brittany here. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about a special online mini training that I'm offering for free for a limited time. It's called Peace, Love, Stepmom. And not to toot my own horn, but beep, beep, it's pretty freaking awesome. Peace Love Stepmom will give you the exact steps to take in order to create more harmony in your stepfamily without feeling like you have to walk on eggshells or bite your tongue or ignore your own needs just to keep the peace. Because if you are listening to this, then chances are pretty good that you know there's a big difference between not fighting and actually feeling peaceful. To enroll in Peace Love Stepmom and get immediate access to this incredible online course, head to peacelovestepmom.com and sign up. It's totally free. You don't want to miss it. So go to peacelovestepmom.com to enroll and get immediate access. Now on with the show. Where would you take your life if you knew you could not fail. I get it. As a stepmom, mom, and entrepreneur, sometimes it can feel like what everyone else expects of you versus what you dream about for yourself are on opposite ends of the spectrum. As a woman, you're taught from a very young age what society thinks you're worth based on how you look, how you behave, and how much money you're allowed to bring in. But I'm here to show you that you can be the woman who has it all, and not just on the outside. I'm Brittany Lynch, and you are the queen of your castle. What is up, beautiful people? My name is Brittany Lynch. I help stepmoms live happily ever after, and you are listening to the Queen of Your Castle podcast. So welcome. If you are new here, welcome. If you are a longtime fan, welcome. Thanks for tuning in with me today. I, as always, am really excited to bring this episode to you today because I want to let you in on an extra simple two-minute habit. Yeah, two minutes. I said two minutes. One, two, two minutes. Two-minute habit that I started incorporating into my day that ended up being a real game changer for my sanity. And as a result, it was a game changer for my marriage. It was a game changer for the relationship I have with my stepson. And, you know, honestly, like if we're being, if we're being honest, it even uh, improved the relationships I have with my friends and my mom and my sisters, everyone. Now, something I've noticed over the years is that when it comes to stepmoms, typically, okay, typically, I'm making generalizations, but typically it seems that stepmoms either have a hard time bonding with their stepkids or they have a really complicated, high conflict relationship with their stepkids' other parents. And yes, in some cases, like some stepmoms have both. And yes, in some cases, stepmoms have neither. But from what I've seen, from what I've observed, there are two sort of dominant camps when it comes to a stepmom's biggest struggle. 
Now I've been, I think I've been anyway, but in my interpretation, I've been pretty transparent over the years, uh, especially, you know, with my clients who I work with, but I've been pretty transparent in sharing the struggle that I have personally had when it came to bonding with my husband's son. And I think that as a result of that, I tend to attract clients who are also having a difficult time specifically related to that bond between themselves and their partner's kids. Because eventually that that bond and let like let me be clear, that could be because of, you know, loyalty binds between the stepkids and their other parent. That could be because stepmom's trying and the kids aren't receptive to it. Like there are a lot of there are a lot of factors that can play into why a stepmom would have a specific difficulty related to that bond. Right? But eventually what ends up happening, regardless of the reason behind that, eventually what ends up happening is that that kind of challenging bonding relationship with the partner's kids, it leads to a lot of guilt and a lot of shame in the stepmom, right? I know I personally, I was always like, you know, what's wrong with me? Why, why am I having such a hard time with a child? You know, how am I letting a young seven-year-old child affect me like this? You know, what's wrong with me? And I was so ashamed. I was so ashamed about it. Um, and, and on the other side of that shame, there was a lot of resentment right? Like I carried a lot of resentment toward, toward my husband, toward his ex, toward my stepson. There was a lot of resentment there. And so between that guilt and that shame and that resentment and that jealousy and et cetera, et cetera, that in my instance, and in lots of stepmom's instances, that kind of builds up and leads to disconnection from the kids, disconnection from the spouse and disconnection from the self. And when that happens, and when that starts kind of layering on top of each other, the writing is really on the wall for how much longer the romantic relationship will last. Now, I'm sure you've heard that big, ugly statistic that at least 67% of step families fail. Yes, that's second marriage step families. Third marriage step families are over 70%. So anyway, if this sounds familiar to you, if you've ever felt like there was, you know, something wrong with you because you just couldn't get over whatever it is that's keeping you from really connecting with the kids, I want you to know that you are listening to the right podcast. You're in the right place. There are a whole lot of us just like you who really get this on a soul level. We get you. We got you. But, you know, whichever camp you're in, whether you are in the camp where you just can't, for whatever reason, seem to form a really connected relationship with these people who your partner created, or you're in the camp where you just can't fathom how in the name of everything holy your partner ever had children with that other person. Am I right? There's a very real possibility that at least if you're like most stepmoms I've met, 
there's a very real possibility that you're going to understand what I'm about to say. And that is that it is exhausting when your mind is just stuck playing this constant repetitive loop this constant repetitive loop of these problems. You know, I honestly remember like six years ago, probably now, I remember sometimes I would have entire days where I literally could not think of anything except the problems that I thought I was having with Seamus and my stepson and my stepson's mom And at the time, I really had no idea how to take my mind off those problems. I really believed, you know, I didn't even think about this actually, but at the time, my only strategy it seemed was that I would get in my head and I would try to think my way into solutions. So what I would do is I would just spend time thinking and thinking and stewing and Googling and planning and reading and and you know, tell me if this sounds familiar. You've got a problem. Say you have a disagreement with your spouse about your stepkids. And then for the next hour, two hours, two days, maybe you get trapped in your head, replaying this argument, thinking about what you could have said differently, thinking about what your spouse should have said differently, thinking about all the ways that you should be tackling this problem, right? I'm going to fix it. And you think and you think and you think and you feel irritable and you keep thinking and you you feel agitated and you keep thinking, but you can't stop thinking, right? Has that ever happened to you? If you're nodding your head, yes, I get it. If you're shaking your head, no, and you're like, I have no idea what this chick is talking about, then you are a very lucky person. <laughs> now, I want you to ask yourself the question. How many minutes or how many hours of every day do you spend thinking about your step family problems? Okay. How many minutes, how many hours of every day do you spend trapped in your head, trying to come up with solutions to those problems, trying to come up with possible solutions for every possible problem that maybe hasn't even happened yet, right? And then come up with the next steps for each possible outcome. Like how many minutes would you say? There's a, how many minutes, right? 10 minutes a day, couple hours a day, almost all of your day, depending on what's happening. I want you to know that there's no right or wrong answer to this. There's no good amount of minutes or bad amount of minutes. There's no cutoff for how many minutes is too many, right? Like if you overthink for 27 minutes a day, you're fine. But the second you get to 28 minutes, no, 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 that's too many, right? Like that's, that's not, that's not, that's not a thing wherever you're at is okay. Okay. Because let me tell you this, literally every person on this planet tries in some way, shape or form to think their way out of their problems. And on one hand, our thoughts can be really helpful, right? Like sometimes we do have some really useful thoughts. But on the other hand, there are times when the thoughts we think don't feel good. And the thoughts that we have about the thoughts 
don't feel very good either. And so even though we don't want to be having these thoughts, we just can't seem to stop overthinking. Like, have you ever said, for example, have you ever said, I am not going to think about my partner's ex ever again. And then four milliseconds later, there they are tap dancing behind your eyelids. Have you ever laid awake at night trying to fall asleep, but you just can't get your mind to stop replaying the day's events or your stresses about tomorrow or your stresses about what's going to happen between now and the time the kids turn 18, right? It's like a bad movie that you can't turn off. If so, if this sounds familiar to you, then congratulations, you're a human. You're a human being. But you might be starting to wonder, like, okay, that's all well and good that every person experiences this in some capacity, but how can I do it less, right? How can I do it less so that I can spend a little bit less time focused on the negative or a little bit less time focused on the future that hasn't happened yet that I'm predicting the worst in, right? Like what, what do you think that life could look like for you? What do you think your stepfamily relationships could look like if you spent even a little tiny bit less time focused on the negative and the what ifs? Now, I'm not saying avoid your problems. I'm not saying pretend your problems don't exist. I'm not saying any of that. I am saying, what if you just made a teeny, teeny, tiny change? Isn't a teeny, tiny change still a change? Like, doesn't it still count? Isn't any improvement still an improvement? Because what do you think you'll see when your mind is on a loop? on repeat saying, I can't bond with the kids. I can't bond with these kids. I can't bond with these kids. Every little thing that they do wrong or you do wrong or your spouse does wrong or their other parent does wrong, that loop starts up again, right? I can't bond with these kids. I can't bond with these kids. If that's the dominant thought loop in your mind, if that's what you're thinking over and over, then what ends up happening? Yeah, of course. You can't bond with the kids. But listen to this. What if for just, just two minutes a day, you could be more intentional with your thoughts? What if for just Two minutes a day, one, two, two literal minutes a day. What if you were more intentional about removing your attention from these negative thought loops about not being able to bond with the kids 
or about what a putz the other kid's parent is or about all the things you've had to sacrifice since becoming a stepmother. And I want to specifically point out that I said removing your attention from these things because there's a difference between removing your attention and trying not to think about something, right? Like, for example, if I say to you, try not to, not even try not to, don't think, don't think about a pink elephant. Immediately what happens? You think about a pink elephant, right? There's a pink elephant in your mind and you're like, don't think about it. And when you're like, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, what happens? That pink elephant gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the way to not think about your problems isn't to not think about them. It's to remove your attention from them. Okay. Subtle, but very important difference in the language. Okay. Subtle, but very important difference in the way that you think about your thinking. And two minutes a day of removing your attention, two minutes a day might sound like nothing, but make no mistake. It will add up and it does add up. In fact, I did a quick little calculation. Two minutes a day every day for a year is 730 minutes, which works out to be a little over 12 hours. So for investing just two tiny minutes of your time per day with this super simple little practice, you can spend 12 whole entire hours not thinking about how hard it is to bond with the kids. You can spend 12 whole entire hours not trapped in your repetitive thought loops about your partner's ex. And that's just at two minutes a day. What if you moved it to three minutes a day, right? Three minutes a day every day for a year. That's 1,095 minutes or 18 hours and 15 minutes. Now, what could you do? Actually, like consider this for a second. What could you do with 18 extra hours of brain space? What sort of difference do you think that you would see in your mental health, in your relationships, in the way you show up at work, If you had 12 to 18 or more extra hours of peace and calm in your mind. If you became more present, meaning that you were in the here and now for 12 to 18 more hours, What do you think that your life could start to look like? Because the more that you practice this, the less attention that you give to the problems that you're having or imagining that you might have one day or that have already happened that can't be changed. The less attention that you're giving these problems directly right? Those two or three minutes a day, you're, you're getting that 12 to 18 hours of not direct time, not giving your energy to the problem. But it also ends up that 
you think about your problems less as an indirect result of this. Meaning, I'll try and make this make sense. It made sense in my head. I hope I can explain it. It means that sure, you know, you're spending those two or three minutes a day being intentional with your thoughts, being intentional with your attention. But then as an indirect result, as an indirect bonus, you also start to carry this practice into the rest of your day. You'll start to notice that you're not heading down the rabbit hole as often. You'll start to notice when your mind, when your thoughts are spiraling, snowballing, and you've built this muscle of knowing how to move your attention before you get sucked into the bottomless pit of anger and misery and resentment, right? Now, one big mistake that I see all the time is that stepmoms are like, well, everything has to be absolutely perfect before I can really start to make any changes. Like, does this sound familiar to you? Like once I get the house organized, once I get all those closets cleaned out, once I finish that correspondence course, also when I figure out a schedule where I have at least two hours of free time a day, which means I need to hire a housekeeper and a gardener. So after I do all of that, after I get that raise, after we finish all the drama in the courts, then maybe I can think about carving out some extra time and space for a practice to be present. But that's so backwards. It gets so, it's so backwards. Like if you think you need to have free time and you think you need to have a calm mind and a calm environment before you adopt this two-minute practice, that's literally like saying, I have to be super fit before I can go to the gym. Or like saying, I have to be super relaxed before I go to the spa. Like it's backwards, backwards. It's so backwards the way that we think about this specific practice. Because if you don't have the peace or the calm or the time or the space for a presence practice, that's a literal indication of how desperately you need a presence practice. And trust me, I'm speaking from experience here as somebody who worked full-time during nursing school, while training for fitness competitions. I'm speaking from experience as someone who used to be extremely hyper-scheduled, running on like five hours of sleep and ephedrine to survive. So, you know, one question I ask my clients inside the stepmom story is, who would you be if you already had what you wanted? Who would you be if you already had this stellar relationship with your stepkids where you were stoked about spending time with them and vice versa? Who would you be if you already had a super loving, fun, spontaneous relationship with your spouse where you felt safe to speak your mind and safe to ask for what you needed? Who would you be if you never gave another thought to your spouse's ex? Make no mistake, 
The life that you are living now is a direct result of the type of person you are being. So if you want something to change in your world, if you want some of your circumstances of your life to change, then you cannot keep doing what you're doing. If you keep doing what you're doing, every day is going to be exactly the same. This is is scientifically proven. If you do the same thing, you will get the same results. Because everybody wants change. But hardly anybody wants to be the person who does the changing. Everybody wants more comfort, more ease, more flow, right? I know I do. I want more comfort. I want more ease. I want more flow, right? Like it's human nature to want things to feel better in life. But hardly anybody wants to be the person who puts in the elbow grease, to open these channels, right? I still procrastinate. I still say screw it and lay on the couch and watch Netflix. Even though I know if I did some this, the one more thing that I would get closer to having more ease, more flow, right? But the thing about this is that who literally can't find two minutes in a day? That's how I really got started in this practice is I just made it a super achievable two minutes a day because you can do this two minutes a day on the toilet you can do this two minutes a day in your vehicle before you go into the office you can do this two minutes a day in your vehicle when you're taking a break from the kids right you can do it in the shower two minutes a day investing two minutes a day to get more peace, more health, more happiness, less stress, better relationships, purely from moving your attention. Now, do you have any ideas what presence practice I might be talking about? I might be might have been alluding to what presence practice requires that you move your attention? If you're maybe thinking or guessing or figured out that the the presence practice that I've been talking about is meditation, then you would be correct. Now, hold on before you click off, before you run away. (laughs) The reason I didn't start out by saying meditation is amazing is because the second that people hear this word, all of their limiting beliefs just become deafening and all their limiting beliefs just take over all all their whole consciousness right they just tune out all they can hear is their limiting beliefs i say the word meditation and instantly people have it decided that meditation doesn't work like oh meditation no 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 i've tried that before and i can't do it I don't know if I'm doing it right, so I just don't do it at all, right? I can only do it for like three days in a row and then I drop the habit. I can't even form the habit. What? Like I've tried those free apps and it's just so easy to skip doing it because there's no accountability, right? I just say I'll do it later and I never do it. One I hear all the time is I can't meditate because my mind is way too busy, right? 
I can't meditate because I'm so busy that by the time I sit down at the end of the day, I just fall asleep. I can't meditate because I don't have an hour to just sit around and do nothing, right? I've heard them all probably. I've also probably said all of these things at some point if we're going to be honest with each other. And I hope we are because I hope we're friends and friends are honest with each other. But since I've logged a few hundred hours on my meditation pillow and since I've become more than just a practitioner of meditation, but I've also become a teacher of meditation, I can tell you right now that those exact thoughts that I'm too busy, meditation means you're doing nothing, my mind is too busy, I don't know if I'm doing it right, all of those thoughts are just some of the things that you learn to see differently when you meditate. Now, here's the truth. We live in an instant gratification society. We want our Google search results returned in milliseconds. We want our food delivered in 10 minutes or less. We want faster flights, less layovers, faster internet, faster phones. We don't want to wait in line. We don't want to wait in traffic. We don't want to wait in the waiting room at the doctor's office. We want our packages delivered in 24 hours or less. We, as humans, as a society, have come to expect that the moment we decide that we want something, it should become instantly accessible to us. And don't get me wrong, I love fast. I hate waiting. I want everything that I want to have happened yesterday. But I'm curious if you can see this parallel here. Where else might this desire for instant gratification show up in our lives? What about when we become stepmoms and so many of us hope that we can just snap our fingers and our ready-made family is just instantaneously going to be picture perfect. It's no fault of our own that we hope for that, but it's just absolutely not realistic whatsoever. And here's the parallel. What about when we sit down to meditate for 15 minutes, three days in a row, and we don't reach nirvana by the end of the third day, so we say, well, meditation's shit and it doesn't work for me. My mind is way too busy and I don't have time to sit around and do nothing if it doesn't work anyways. (laughs) That expectation that you'll master meditation in 15 minutes a day after three days it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. It's, it's not realistic. Meditation is a practice. Presence, being present in the moment, aka not stressing about the future and not stressing about the past. Being present is a practice. 
and becoming a solid stepmom who feels peaceful and has really dynamite relationships. P.S. Why don't we say dynamite more? But being a stepmom who has dynamite relationships, that's a fucking practice. That's developed with the support of presence tools like meditation. We get so focused on this outcome. We get so focused on where it is that we want to go, where we expect that we should be for now, that we forget to enjoy the millions of tiny moments, the millions of tiny steps it's going to take for us to get to this outcome. Developing a consistent meditation practice, starting with something as accessible as two tiny minutes a day is one thing that you can do to stop and smell the roses, right? To stop and enjoy some of the millions of tiny moments along your journey, When we don't get hung up on, you know, should I be meditating for 10 or 20 or 30 or five or seven minutes every single day or else I'm just not doing it, right? When we're like, oh, well, I missed a day, so screw it. My streak is over. I don't have to do it anymore. When instead of that, when instead of overthinking how we need to make this meditation practice perfect in order to be able to do it properly, When we say instead, you know, yeah, I can take two minutes out of my day to intentionally be in the present moment. Like, I'm just going to I'm just going to blow your mind here with a study that I read from Harvard researchers at the Massachusetts General Hospital. So these researchers, these Harvard researchers took 16. Yes, small study size, but still 16 participants and had them practice meditation. And they looked to see what would happen in the meditators' brains. And listen to this. In only two months, two months, where the participants listened to audio recordings of guided meditations, the literal structure of their brains changed. The structure of their brains changed because of meditation. The researchers found that the meditators had an increase in their gray matter density, basically just means their brain density, in specific structures of the brain that are responsible for learning, memory, self-awareness, compassion, and introspection. They also found that the meditators had a decrease in gray matter density in the amygdala, which is basically the fight or flight center, right? The fear, the stress, the anxiety center of the brain is the amygdala. So in other words, in two months from listening to guided meditation recordings, these meditators grew parts of their brain responsible for improving their quality of life 
and shrunk a part of their brain responsible for making them feel less stressed and anxious and afraid. Like, are you freaking kidding me? How incredible is that? If I said to you, if I said to you, hello, I have a magic pill. It has no negative side effects and it will help you become more compassionate and more introspective and you will become less anxious and less stressed and less afraid. Would you like to take the pill? If you're like most people, of course you would take the freaking pill. I would take the pill because what does more compassion give you? It gives you a different lens to see the struggles that your stepkids are facing. It gives you a different lens to see the struggles that your partner is facing. It creates an opportunity for you to support your step family emotionally in a way that doesn't feel exhausting to you and create resentment. And what does that end up doing for your relationships? Builds intimacy, brings you closer, creates deeper love, less drama. And so what could your step family relationships look like in even a few months? If you were able to change the structure of your brain and show up from a place of compassion and empathy rather than stress and taking things personally and feeling like everything's happening to you. Like what can life look like? Could it it look like for you in six months, a year, two years, when you get to live a life of less stress, less fear, where you get to be involved in relationships that make you feel lit up and fired up. If you're not driving, I want you to close your eyes and imagine what that feels like. What does it feel like to live in your body when you don't experience as much stress, when you feel more compassion for people, when you're more introspective and take more responsibility and therefore feel like you have more control over your life. And all of this starts, can start from a place of two teeny tiny minutes a day. It seems like a pretty obvious no-brainer to me. And if you're wondering, you know, like, okay, that sounds great, but can everybody meditate? Is meditation something that everybody can do? Usually that wondering means that you might think that everybody can meditate except for you. But if you know how to breathe then you know how to meditate. I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same place. I hope this episode got your wheels turning and showed you just how powerful you are. I would invite you to take 30 seconds and tap subscribe to this podcast. When you subscribe to the podcast, then rest assured you will never miss an episode. And in no time, spinning your wheels will be a thing of the past. Thank you for listening and subscribing. And if you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the absolute world to me if after you subscribed, 
you jumped on over and left me a five-star review and better yet, a written review. I am on a mission to let every mom and stepmom know that you can create the life of your dreams. And I need your help to change the world. The world needs us. Thank you so much for subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. I will see you next week. For more behind-the-scenes action and to get really up close and personal with me and our beautiful step family, jump on over to Instagram and follow me at The Step Queen. Don't be shy. Send me a DM. Tag me in your posts. Tag me in your stories. Let me know what you're up to and what about the podcast has been blowing your mind. I cannot wait to get to know you better and Instagram is my jam. I love you so much. I love you so much. Make it rain, girlfriend.